I've always said I try to be an equal opportunist. And in saying that, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to say some things today that will probably hurt everybody in here. But I want you to know my heart. My heart isn't to belittle you. My heart isn't to belittle any group of people. My heart is to exalt God. And often when we exalt God, we feel belittled, and we should, because God is so much greater than we can ever comprehend. He has blessed us. He has truly blessed us. 245 years ago today, 56 men from 15 different areas areas, signed a document declaring independence from an oppressive government. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These words are words that build a springboard to catapult the United States to be where it is today. Hear me. I'm thankful for the nation that I live in. I've been blessed to be able to visit other nations. And that has helped me to put a lot of things in perspective that I would have never had my eyes open to unless I had. I'm thankful for the men and women who have served. I'm thankful for the people of the United States, regardless of the opinion that they have. Because one of the beautiful things about our country is that we are all entitled to our own opinion. The only problem is a lot of us have made our opinion the ultimate authority in our life. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the reason for the hope in you. And we talked about how in this, the Bible has to be our ultimate authority, our ultimate guide for living the life that we are in today. Sure, we can use opinions, but opinions can steer us clear, steer us astray. We can use feelings, but again, feelings can lead us astray. So when it comes down to it, what we have to hold to is we have to hold to the Word of God. I'm proud of our nation. I love our nation. But we've got to be real about some things as well. Is our nation perfect? By far, no, we are not. From the beginning, our nation is scarred with self-inflicted wounds that constantly remind us we can do better. Are we a great nation? Yes, we are. For some... This is hard to accept because honestly, beauty is in the eye of the holder. And for us who, for those who've just been able to step foot on the soil that we're on today, sometimes it can be hard for us to see just how beautiful the nation that we live in is. But again, being blessed to see other parts of the world, it's given me a completely different perspective. Is there reason for pride? Absolutely. Absolutely. In the 245 years of our existence, we have spent 
much of our time in the top 10% in power and prosperity in all of the world. Is there room for disgust? Absolutely. Because when that power and prosperity comes at the expense of other individuals, that power and prosperity is a little bit distasteful in our lives. In the last year, guys, I'm going to be honest with you for a little while. I'm going to be honest with you the whole time. In the last year, I found my job to be one that's been most difficult. Not only me, but other pastors. Because we've had to stand in the gap. And we've had to try to be all things to all people. Over the last year, I've spent time talking to some of our military veterans. Last year when we couldn't do our veterans banquet, took the initiative to personally call each and every one of them to regret to inform them that we couldn't have our veterans banquet. But I got to hear some good conversations from them. And it helped me widen my perspective of some of the things they went through. Over the last year, I've got to sit down with some of our brothers and sisters of different ethnicities. And I've got to hear their perspective of where they have come from. And again, it has broadened my view of how I see things today. I've got to sit down with law enforcement officers, pray with them as they sit and reflect on whether they should continue to do their job or not because of this bane that has been given towards them over the last year. I've sat down with politicians on both sides, listen to their opinions, listen to their hearts, listen to what they desired for our nation. And you know what's funny? I hear this same thing from everybody. We just want to be unified. How many people don't want to be unified? Let's be honest. Anybody in here doesn't want to be unified? We all desire for unification. We all desire for a unification in our nation and in us to help us to look at our brothers and sisters and see them as equals. We desire for unification, but there's a lot of things that combat that. And a lot of that's opinion. A lot of that's not fact. One thing that I've learned over this last year, and I wrote this down, wrote this down a couple of months ago. And it was just something that I observed. In all our truths, whose truths? Our truths. Not his truth, our truth. In all our truths, there are some lies. And in all our lies, there are some truths. Our problem is perspective. Perspective is everything. Perspective is absolutely everything when it comes to dealing with some very toxic times that we are going through right now. A lot of perspectives that preachers use, they have to be careful on. Because a lot of times people will compare, preachers even, will compare the United States to the nation of Israel. We cannot do that. We cannot do that. Completely separate. Do we have a great nation? Yes, we do. 
Is our nation having an impact for the world when it comes to the gospel? Yes, it is. But at the same time, a very humbling thing that a lot of us need to realize is when I look at all the accounts of end times, and me and Jerry were talking about this this week, when I look at all the accounts of end times, I see nation after nation after nation listed. But you know one nation I never see listed? Here. Here. And with the way things are going, I can fully understand that. I can understand us self-destructing from the inside. So how? How is it? How is it that we move through this? How is it that we navigate this diversity? How is it that we move towards a true unification of God and country? Because this is tough, guys. This is extremely tough. Even the nation of Israel faced this constantly. In 1 Chronicles, that's where we're going to be, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. In 1 Chronicles, we see a highlight reel. A highlight reel of David's reign and rule. We see the high parts of his rule and we see the low parts of his rule. Later on, if you read 2 Chronicles, you start to see some other things. You read 1 and 2 Kings, you'll start to see some other things. And one thing that stood out most to me about the nation of Israel was when they put their nation above God, they failed. But when they put God above their nation, they always succeeded. That's something hard for us to understand. That's something hard for us to grasp a hold of. Because in this time, God and the government were supposed to go hand in hand. But that wasn't always the case. When certain kings come in, they exalted their rule, their reign, and what slowly happens? The nation falls. Then you have certain, certain kings like Josiah who comes in, who finds the word of God. He starts reading the word of God to the people of God. And what happens? The nation starts to be lifted up. Then again, another king comes in exerts his rule, his reign, and what happens? The nation starts to fall again. It's a cycle. And it's a cycle that we ought to be cautious on. We ought to be wise to this. We know the truth. We see the truth. But we don't always do better with it. Sometimes we ignore it. Sometimes we like to put ourselves in place of places that we don't belong. But 1 Chronicles chapter 29, guys, 1 Chronicles 29 gives us a highlight of exactly what was going on in David's life. And one of the most prominent parts of this is found in verses 10 through 20. And this is when David has come to the end of his reign. He's looked at everything that he's done. He desired to do something great for God because most of his life had been about advancing the people and advancing him. But he's looking back in his life and he wants to do something for God. And he tells God, I want to build you a temple like nobody's ever seen before. Like nobody's ever seen before. 
A temple of gold. A temple of glory. A temple where everybody can look and say, that is the presence of God. Everybody would think that God would be like, yeah, go for it. But God gives David an answer that for most of us would have probably been pretty distasteful. God tells David, no, you're not going to build it. You are not going to build this temple. What you are going to do is you're going to collect everything to be built for this temple. You and the people here are going to bring all this together. And then when you're gone, your son Solomon will come in and build this temple. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that wouldn't have sat well with me. That wouldn't have sat well with me at all. Because I look at everything that I have already built in my life, and I watch my boys slowly destructing it. (laughs) I watch them slowly start to tear down the house that I've worked for for a while. Some of you are the same way. You spend your life trying to build these houses, build these, build these things for your family, and you watch them self-destruct. You watch holes form in the drywall. You watch claw marks form in the furniture. You watch all these things and you think, they're going to tear this house apart. And I got to think, could that have been going through David's mind? Here I've spent all my life trying to advance this people, trying to advance this kingdom. And now God wants me to turn it over to my son and let him do it. Most of us wouldn't be well with that. But I want you to look real quick. I want you to look at what David's response to that is. Verse 10, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, our Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion. O Lord, you have exalted yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. And your hands is power and might. And it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you. We praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer us as generously as this? For all things come from you and from your hands we have given you. For we are sojourners before you and tenants as our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no hope. Oh, Lord, our God, all all this abundance that you have provided to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand, and all is from yours. Since I know, oh, my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness, I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things 
So now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of your people and direct their heart to you and give to my son Solomon a perfect heart to keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statues, and do them all, and to build the temple for which I have made, I have made provision. Then David said to all the assembly, Now, bless the Lord your God, and all the assembly, bless the Lord, the God of their father." And bowed low and did homage to the Lord and to the King. Let's pray. Father, your word holds true. And while there are certain things that we cannot apply to us and even our nation, the principles still hold true. So Father, this morning as we dig into the heart of David... The heart of David, not only for the nation of Israel, but the heart of David for your kingdom. I pray that you would help us to see the truths that are in it to bring these forth in our lives, in this nation, in this world. Father, I'm thankful. I am. I'm I'm extremely thankful for you allowing me to be born where I was. I'm thankful, Lord, for the 245 years ago, those men setting up a government that would help many reach a level of their life that they never thought they could. I'm thankful that in the beginning, Lord, this country was based on your values. And I'm thankful, Lord, that there is a remnant that is trying to hold true to these values. But we need help. We need you to help us hold to them. We need you to direct us to your truth. And we need you to help us to shelf our opinions when we make much of them and less of you. Father, this morning, allow your word to speak to us in a way that only it can. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For the first part of his life... David was trying to expand or advance the people of Israel and to advance also himself. But in the latter parts of his life, David started looking for a greater rule. He started looking for a greater good. And he started looking for a greater kingdom. And I'm thankful that in the last year that God has helped me to look for that as well. Because I've realized that if we focus on what divides us, that's how we will stay. If we focus on the things that are different about each one of us, we will always stay divided. But if we focus on the things that bring us together, the things that we hold true, then we stay unified. David's prayer is a prayer of just that. In the first part, you see David looking for a greater rule. Now, great David had a great rule, guys. He really did. He had led the children of Israel to a great point in this nation. Again, was it perfect? 
By all means, it was not perfect. But if anyone had a reason to be proud, it would have been David. Because remember, remember exactly who the children of Israel were. They were outcasts. They were rejected. They were the poor. They were the downtrodden. And while, again, I'm not comparing us to the nation of Israel, some of the things that made our country as great as it was, and is, are some of those same truths. If you go to New York, go to Ellis Isle, you'll see a scription. And this inscription says, give me your tired, give me your poor, give me your humbled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shores. Send these, the homeless, the tempest tossed to me. I lift a lamp beside the golden door. The Statue of Liberty stands in the harbor right there on Ellis Isle. And for many years, this stood as a lot of hope to many people. In the 20s, 30s, and 40s, our nation seen an influx like they had never seen before. We had people coming in from Germany. We had people coming in from Poland. We had people coming in from Japan. We had people coming in from even Russia and other parts of the world. And the reason they started coming in to our nation is because they had been rejected where they previous were. Because they didn't hold to the same ideologies. Because they didn't hold to the same rule. Because they didn't hold to the same values that many of these countries or the countries that had taken them over were pushing them to believe. What did they look for? They looked for hope. They looked for freedom. They looked for an opportunity to do the greater good. Many of us don't realize this, but these are our ancestors. These are our ancestors. I sit and talk with a pastor the other day. He's a second-generation American. His dad was from Nazi-occupied Germany. And in the early 30s, his dad made his journey, or his great-grandpa made his journey here. Of course, how do you think they were originally received? Not very well. Neither were the Polish, neither were the Japanese, and neither were the Russians. But they come here because they desired an opportunity to do better. They desired a greater rule from what they were originally from. And you know, I think all of our nation has forgot this. I think that all of our nation has forgot that we are a nation of rejects. Even when we first created, or when our country was first created, they were people who were escaping England. Why? Because of an impressive, oppressive rule. They wanted a hope at a new chance. They wanted a hope at a new start. They wanted to search for a greater rule. They were tired. They were weary. They were poor. They come to this land and this land gave them an opportunity to make more of themselves than they ever could in their native lands.
I love the place that we live in. I really do. I love seeing single mothers rise to the ranks of vice presidents and banks. I love seeing people who come from very, very impoverished homes become doctors, lawyers, even pastors. I love the opportunities that our nation affords. But at the same time, I know that all this comes because we're all looking for a greater rule. Somewhere over the line, we've lost that greater rule that we were looking for. David's seen the need for a greater rule in his life. And I want to read this to you again. Listen to, listen to what he says. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself over all. God is the greater rule that we are looking for in our lives. That is the perfect rule that we need for all mankind. The problem is, is as normal, we assert our opinions. We assert our views. We assert our ideologies. And let me tell you something. There isn't any side that's exempt. There isn't any side that's exempt. And I've heard, I've heard valid arguments from both sides. But you know one thing that I can tell you that's true? There's only one rule that ultimately will stand throughout all this world. And brothers and sisters, it's not the United States. It's not Russia. It's not Germany. And it's not even Israel. It's the rule of God Almighty himself. When he sends the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. When he comes down and asserts his rule, that is the only perfect rule that we will ever, look, ever have. And that is the rule that we need to be looking for today. God so loved the world that he didn't send a politician. God so loved the world that he didn't send a movement. God so loved the world that he didn't send an ideology. God so loved the world that he didn't send a president. God so loved the world that he didn't send a governor. God so loved the world that he did not send someone earthly to save us. He sent his son. And that's the rule that we hold to. I love my nation. I love my government. But never miss, dismiss this. I love my father more than any of them. And my allegiance, my allegiance is pledged to him. I'm looking for a greater rule in my life. Not only was David looking for a greater rule, he was looking for a greater good. Let me reread this again because a lot of people miss out on what's being said here. In verse 14 it says, But who am I that who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer generously as this? Now understand what David's saying here. Because a lot of people think that this is a statement of humility, but it's not really just a statement of humility, it's a statement of guilt. 
It's a statement of remorse. Who am I? Who am I that you are allowing me to be a part of such as this? Now, don't get me wrong. David had a great rule. David had an awesome rule. David had exerted Israel to a place that they had never been before. The land was established as much as it was ever going to be. But David knew there was the wickedness in him. He knew that there were parts of his rule that weren't so great. He knew that there were some embarrassing parts of Israel's history. He knew there were some embarrassing parts about his life. And what does he do? He begs for mercy and shows repentance. But this right here is at the end. And this proves something. That David never forgot about where he come from. David never tried to erase the history of Israel. The Bible never tries to erase the history of Israel. It's written for us as a marker for us to learn from. And brothers and sisters, erasing our past does not make us good. I don't care how much you erase. I can erase years 12 to 21 in my life. I need to go a little bit further, don't I? I can erase 12 to 26 of my life. And you know what? I'm still not good. I'm still not good. And there's a danger in this. There is a danger in trying to erase our past. Because when we erase our past, here's the one thing that ha will happen. We're doomed to make the same mistakes. Our history is something that we need to learn from. Am I proud of every bit of our history? Absolutely not. I'm a 16th or a 32nd Cherokee Indian. I can't remember which. Am I proud of what happened to those people? No. No, I'm not. Am I proud of how the Germans were treated, the Germans that were trying to um, escape? Am I proud of how they were treated in our nation? No, not. How about the Japanese right after the bombing of Pearl Harbor? Am I proud of how they were treated in our nation? No, I'm not. Am I proud of how my brothers and sisters of color were treated in our nation? No. No, I'm not. But at the same time, if we try to erase all that, I can promise you what will happen. We'll repeat it all over again. History is our greatest teacher to help us to get to a better good. And David, all the kings never forgot their history. Matter of fact, you'll hear it time and time again the father of Abraham, the father of Isaac, the father of Israel. When they are acknowledging this, they are acknowledging that those people exist. And you know what else they're acknowledging? They're acknowledging that Abraham tried to give away his wife to a king just so he wouldn't die. Y'all remember that? They're acknowledging that Isaac did the same thing. They're acknowledging all their flaws. 
And brothers and sisters, this is not a bad thing to acknowledge our flaws. Matter of fact, it's absolutely disgusting to try to erase them. We do need to acknowledge our flaws and we do need to move forward. We do need to do better. Israel desired the same thing. David desired the same thing for Israel. He desired for Israel to do better than what they had already done in the past. And what's amazing, what's amazing here is look at what he goes on to say. For all these things, Lord, all these things have come from your hand. Talking about how they're able to give so generously. We are so generous before you and tenants. Understand what he's saying here. He's acknowledging that these people have dual citizenship. You know what dual citizenship is? It's where you have citizenship in one country and another. I have a pastor friend. He's got it. Actually, I've got three pastor friends who've got dual citizenship. I think it's the coolest thing ever. They can leave this country, go into that country, and not have to go through the first checkpoint. Wouldn't that be awesome? But what we don't realize is we have dual citizenship as well. We have citizenship on this earth, but we've got to remember that's only temporary. Because our ultimate citizenship belongs in a place that is far greater than this world has ever seen. It exists in a place to where all are equal. It exists in a place to where there is a better good. It exists in a place where there is a better rule. And not only that, it exists in a place where there is a better kingdom. David is standing before the people and he got to see all this. I want you to think about this. He got to see all this take place. He got to see his nation rise. He got to see his people's prosperity rise. He got to see their relationship with God, even that, rise. He got to see them collect everything that they had collected to be able to build the temple. And he got the blessing of being able to send this forward to someone else to allow him to advance that kingdom. David was looking not only for a greater rule, not only for a greater good, but he is also looking for a greater kingdom. Verse 17. Since I know, oh my God, that you try the heart and delight in the uprightness. I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things so that with joy I have seen your people who are present make their offerings willingly. O oh Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, there it is again, our fathers, preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of the people and direct their heart to you. And give my son Solomon perfect heart to keep your commandments and your testimonies and your statues and do them all. And to build the temple for which I have made provision. 
all of our lives, we spend time building our kingdoms. We talked about this not too long ago. We like our kingdoms. The reason we like our kingdoms is because we rule our kingdoms. We rule our homes. We rule our houses. We rule our children. Sometimes. We like things to be in our control. David had spent his whole life trying to get things under control. And he had finally got it to the point to where they are about to build the temple of all temples. A glorious testimony to what God had done in Israel's life. And God says, no, you're not. No, you're not. Because this isn't about you. This isn't about you. This isn't about your selfish ambition. This isn't about what you desire for yourself. This isn't about where you can say, look at what we did. This is about me saying, look at what I did. Because this blessing didn't stop with one generation. It's being passed on to another generation. And they're going to take that blessing a little bit further. And they're going to take that, the next generation to take that blessing a little bit further as long as they stay in our statutes. Brothers and sisters, this is the one, one of the most beautiful things about the nation that we live in. We hand on our blessings to the next generation. We do. We get to hand our blessings on to the next generation. I hope I leave my boys with a lot of debt. <laughs> Astronomical. We're going to go get a million dollar loan right before, right before we go, baby. No, that's not what I want to pass on to my kids. What do I want to pass on to my boys? Let me give you a little secret. It's not my house. It's not the Subaru. Definitely ain't the minivan. It ain't all that stuff that I've collected over the years. It's not my hobbies. I sure don't want to pass off my opinions. I don't want to pass off my views. You know what I want to pass off to them? I want them to understand what a true kingdom is. And brothers and sisters, this ain't it. Because a true kingdom reigns forever. A true kingdom is a perfect kingdom. And a true kingdom can only be established by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who gave his life for every single one who would believe in him. That's what I want to pass off to them. And then I want them to take that and I want them to pass it off to their kids. It's kind of a scary thought. I'm going to be a grandpa one day. And then I want those kids to pass it off to their kids. And I want this to continue until God comes to really establish his kingdom. Because here's the truth. Every time a nation is focused on God, they persevere. But every time a nation 
exerts themselves over God, they will always fall. I want them to be a part of a kingdom that will never fall. One of the most beautiful things about this whole thing, and I love this part, guys, I really do. In verse 20, because when people look for a greater rule, when people look for a greater good, when people look for a greater kingdom, there will always be a great response. Look what happens there in verse 20. Then David said unto all the assembly, Now bless the Lord your God and all of the assembly. Bless the Lord, the God of their father, and bowed low and did homage to the Lord and to the king. Whenever we look for a greater good, whenever we look for a greater rule, whenever we look for a greater kingdom, there will always be a great response. There will be a great response in our churches. There'll be a great response in our nation. There'll be a great response in our world. And I pray that this is a wake up for us all. The reason we're not seeing great responses right now is because we're not looking for a greater kingdom. We're looking for a greater America. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. America did not make Christianity great. Christianity is what made America great. We're not looking for a greater good. We're looking for an advancement of our opinions. Brothers and sisters, our opinions will never be good. They will always divide. And if we want to be unified, we need to look for the greater good, the greater good that is found in his world, in his word. But if we're advancing a greater kingdom, you know what we're not thinking about? We're not thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about my neighbor right down the road. We're thinking about your neighbor. We're thinking about people that we don't even know on the other side of the world. We're thinking of everybody else but ourselves. Because a kingdom mentality is not about an us mentality. It's about a God mentality. Everybody wants to know, Scotty, why aren't we seeing response? Why is the nation not working up? We're seeking the wrong kingdom. We're seeking the wrong rule. And we're seeking the wrong good. And you know the only thing that we can do is repent. I love my nation. I love the men and women who fought for it. And I will stand beside them every day. I love the men and women of this nation who have different opinions than me. And you know what? I'll stand beside them too. Because some of those people died so that they could have those opinions. And those are freedom of opinions. I love our police officers. I love every single one of them. I love our government. I really do. I love everything about it. But I do not love it more than I love my God. And I never will. And I pray you do the same. Tommy.
Father, no lie. Just like we said, you're the one who's made this nation great. You're the one who's made much of this. You've allowed us to be a part of it, and however long that goes, we're thankful. But more than any of that, Lord, we're thankful for you this morning because you are the greater rule. You have ruled over our lives, Lord, and you have never proven us wrong. You are the greater good. You've constantly provided for us, and Father, I know, I know because of the promises that we have in your word that you will continue to provide for us. You are the greater kingdom because your kingdom is not a kingdom that will fall. It's not a kingdom that will self-destruct. It's a kingdom that will thrive forever and ever. And Father, this morning, I come before you as a citizen of that kingdom who is thankful. Thankful that you've allowed me to fill in the gap. Thankful that you've allowed me to be a part of what's going on in this world. Father, help us to focus on the one thing that unifies us. That's your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to hold true to what he has called us to do. And help us, Lord, to go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And Father, always remind us that you're with us even to the end. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Honor God. As they sing this last song, and every one of you stand. Every one of you pay homage to God. Bless the Lord. Why? Because he has so richly blessed us. Tommy.